You're listening to Grindhouse Courthouse. We put movies on trial to determine whether or not a film has committed too many movie misdemeanors to be considered viewable. Please rise for the Honorable Judge this episode. Welcome to Grindhouse Courthouse. The court is in session. Your judge for this week is me, Dylan, Grand Arbiter of all things schlock. Joining me is the sagacious juror, Dave. Say hi to the people, Dave. Hey. On this week's docket is The People versus Surviving the Game. This 1994 biopic of Record Hauer and Gary Busey's favorite weekend pastime joins Ice-T as he's hunted by a group of psychotic white guys in the woods. Loosely based on the classic 1924 Richard Connell short story, The Most Dangerous Game. Produced for $7.4 million, Surviving the Game grossed $7.7 million at the domestic box office. So not a total flop, but not a success. The movie was critically panned with a 25% on Rotten Tomatoes and 6.2 stars out of 10 on IMDb. A staunch supporter of Blue Lives Matter, Tom will serve as the prosecution, arguing that you can't just make a song called Cop Killer and expect to get away with it. <laughs> Serving as the defense, Adam will argue that any true fan of the most dangerous game should watch John Leguizamo in The Pest. Famously snubbed for Best Picture at the 1997 Oscars for the likes of Titanic and Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> so, without further ado, we will begin with the opening statements of the defense. Take it away. Thank you, Judge. The short story, The Most Dangerous Game, has inspired and spawned many movies. And I am here today to say that Surviving the Game is by far the best adaptation. This movie shows that through perseverance, and grit, one can survive any threat, that life is not to be wasted, and that if you stop, you are dead. Thank you. Beautiful, beautiful, Adam. All right, we'll, we'll send it over to the prosecution for a rebuttal and or his opening statement. Your Honor, surviving the game is a turd, and it doesn't matter how you dress <laughs> it up. It doesn't matter how many times you give it a once-over, how many times you flip it over from a different angle, you are always left with shit. There is nothing good you can say about this movie. None of the characters have any motivation. Things just happen, and then the movie's over. It was edited with a weed whacker. The score sucks. The acting is wooden. The directing is terrible. Ice-T can't lead a film to save his life. Uh, I don't know what else you would need to hear about this film to make up your mind. So if we could move straight to deliberation, I think we could save all of us some time here, but I will defer to your expert opinion on the matter. I think we should um, actually have a podcast, in my expert opinion. Also, if Ice-T can't lead a movie, how do you explain Leprechaun in the Hood? How do you explain Leprechaun in the Hood? <laughs> I don't leprechaun in the Hood at least has something going for it, which is to say, you know, there's a Leprechaun in it. Surviving the game has a bunch of characters that you don't care about, don't learn anything about, and then they all die. That's, Listen. That's the best thing you could say about this film is that it Listen, ends. I would like to defend the lead of this movie. Ice-T is watchable in this. He's not great. He's watchable, Tom. <laughs> yeah, is that, that's the, is that really the baseline for the movie? Watchable? <laughs> It's watchable, yeah, because that's what you want to hear when you're going into a movie. You could sit down and physically view it. That's he, the stamp of like. I agree that he is the weakest. Right I agree that he is the weakest link of this movie, but the cast, the rest of the cast, is amazing. 
you uh, can't argue that. I've never said they've got F. Murray Abraham. They've got Rutger Hauer. They've they've got a lot of really good actors in here, and that's a real problem. Is the people that are hunting our main character are more interesting than our main character? Is we it really have... is it really acting when Gary Busey does actually hunt human beings in real life? Oh yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, He's got this just is the <laughs> fucking sickest monologue in this film. It's the closest anyone comes to acting, and it and it's so good. Okay, I'm gonna give a right. chance. I'm gonna give a chance for our juror Dave to get a word, and looks like he was trying to say something. No, I'm just. I want to get into the scenes. Okay, I got the overall gist of this movie already. I feel like, but uh, okay, hold your horses. Who's the judge here? Who's the judge here? All right. So without further ado, let's get into one of the scenes. So, um, Tom, Adam, who's gonna lead us into the first scene? Uh, let's both try and piece together what happens in the first scene. A lot of this movie just kind of flows together. There's there's no individual scene you could talk about because each thing leads into the next. And not in a beautifully crafted kind of way, but sort of a lurching, stumbling, oh my god, we forgot that we were actually making a movie kind of way. Uh, so the film opens with... Actually, Adam, um, how does it open? Yeah, so... <laughs> great opening, great opening. <laughs> strong, strong start. Well, we actually didn't... Uh, the opening of this movie is not our first case, but I, I believe you should have some context to understand the setup of our first case that we'll be discussing, which is the dinner scene before the hunt. Uh, so the movie does yeah. open up with the brutal streets of, I want to say it's Seattle or it's Oregon. I'm not too sure, but you actually get to see the lifestyle of Ice-T being a homeless man trying to survive, living with his friend, which is a vet, and living with a dog that gets murdered within the first 10 minutes of the movie. So you are seeing the dark side of being homeless in a large city. And just, to, and, just to <laughs> and just to clarify, Oregon is a state, not a city, so... Sorry, thank, thank you, John. Maybe you're thinking of Portland now or something? Now who's a fucking idiot, am I right? <laughs> I rest my case. <laughs> But, but from this, okay, so from this, you see that Icy's dog dies early on. It shows that he's actually at the end of his ropes. He's willing to give up. He doesn't actually have anything going on for, him, for himself. He doesn't want to live anymore. And then once his old vet buddy dies after, I'm assuming, internal bleeding after a cop beating, Ice-T is about to com uh, commit suicide and kill himself, but he's actually saved by Charles S. Dutton, his character. And Who's he, he brings that? him. No, uh, that's actual. The actor's name is Charles S. Dutton. I think it's oh, Walter. Yeah. I, Walter characters' Colt? names in the movie do not matter. Yeah, we'll yeah. just use actors as per going, usual. Never, they never refer to each other by any of their names. <laughs> uh, well, no, you get to learn Ice T's name many times because it's Mason, oh, yeah. and that's all they scream throughout this movie. We actually have Walter Cole, who is played by uh, Charles S. Dutton. He saves him. He's like, listen. If I could give you a job, is that worth you living? And Ice-T is like, I'll take it on. And we find out that Ice-T is going to be the guide for this hunt. So he flies out with this group of people. And before the hunt begins, they have a dinner. So, Tom, do you want to take away the first case? Yeah, I want to go back and address a number of elements that you left out <laughs> sure. from your intro. Hold I, on, hold on. We need a point of clarification from the jury. Ice-T was hired to lead the hunt? Yes. Uh, yeah, Ice-T his... is like the dumbest motherfucker alive because he's just this like dirty homeless guy who beats up security guards and like rummages through dumpsters. That's his entire life. That's all that he does day in, day out. Sometimes he breaks into a place to steal a side of beef that he puts on his hobo grill and grills up for his hobo friends. 
which is an amazing scene. That, which is kind. He is very kind. <laughs> so wait, wait, is there any background on Ice T other than he's homeless? Like, is he like a ex marine or something, or he's just some random no, fucking? He's dude? a guy. He's a guy who didn't fix his house and then got his wife and kids killed. Spoiler alert! Uh, <laughs> that is the extent of internal strife and struggle in this film. It is Ice T going, man. I really should have fixed that refrigerator, otherwise my wife and kids wouldn't be dead. And, so what's uh, better, Manchester it. by the Sea or this movie? <laughs> Anything is better than this movie. There is nothing that's not better than this film. The other thing, Adam, that you left out was the lesson of the film, the uh, the moral of the story, which is uh, when you find a gun on the ground or in a trash can or whatever, really, you should always check the barrel. And that's something that Ice-T's uh, veteran homeless buddy imparted to him in the first five minutes of the film. And it shows up at the end of the film. Yeah, it's foreshadowing, um, Tom. Is it foreshadowing or is it nothing? Is it nothing at all? Clearly foreshadowing. They didn't know this... how to end the film, so they had a scene in the beginning where he finds a pistol. I think this... that might be what This happening. is also showing how Ice-T's character is actually clever. He's remembering these life lessons that's going to save him later on. So is that you're, cleverness or is that basic human functionality? Like pattern you, be, you be the judge. I'm not going to say, but uh, judge, can I we believe get a ruling on that right now. Thank you in advance. Well, he told you to be the judge. I mean, kind of insulting considering I am sitting here serving as a judge, but um, I know your honor, the disrespect. Jesus. We're going to, we're going to postpone all rulings until the end as a standard procedure in most courtrooms. Uh, I think we need to, can you set up the premise at least? I mean, most people know exactly what's about to happen if you've ever gone through grade school in Canada and had to read this fucking story um, and watch that shitty 1930s movie. But um, why don't you just get us, you got us to, he meets the rich guy telling him he's going to go on a hunt, but what what's actually happening? And then we can get into it. And then we'll, we'll, we'll have a recess and we'll ask some questions. They're, they're hunting people. And uh, you, the audience what? member, have probably realized this by now because nothing in the story that's happening makes any sense. Why would these guys bring a homeless city dweller out into the woods for him to lead the hunt? Like, it's clearly, it's clearly all bullshit. You learn a bit about each individual hunter, which is the most interesting thing about this film, which is kind of the reverse of what you want in this. Yeah. It's about your main character and the you know, journey they go through and the things they you know, experience. Uh, but in this, really, all you care about is the wacky cast and crew that's going to get slowly killed off by Ice-T. So there's a rich Texan guy. Um, he was uh, on Scrubs. So I John C. McGintley. <laughs> yeah, I knew that would land very well for you, Adam. Um, <laughs> what did, who did he play uh, in Scrubs? Who did he play in Dr. Scrubs? Dr. Cox. Oh, yeah, with the crazy curly hair. He's fantastic in this, by the way. Well... That's the most frustrating thing is like Ice-T is the least charismatic, most boring character in the entire movie. Yeah. Gary Busey is out there just fucking chewing the scenery before he like dies immediately. Um, Rutger Hauer is, of course, Rutger Hauer and uh, <laughs> can do no wrong in my mind. He's seen things that us people wouldn't believe. Uh, there's F. What's he seen? Abraham. He's seen on Titan. <laughs> F. Murray Abraham is in the film. I, I feel like I should recognize the guy who played F. Murray Abraham's son, but I don't. You don't have to. Uh, He's, yeah. Yeah. That's completely and, uh, fine. But I like I want okay, we'll, we'll we'll wrap up this introduction and then go into the dinner scene. But basically what I want to highlight is the introduction or the intro of this movie is actually showing off the brutality of a hunt because you have a man running through the woods 
the team is hunting him, and then you show the br brutality of the streets, which Ice-T is living. So you can compare these two. Ice -T I would posit that this juxtaposition means nothing. Thank you for your consideration. <laughs> yeah, and I just wanted to clarify that the things that he saw were attack ships on fire on the shoulder of Orion and sea beams glitter in the dark near Tannhauser Gate, just in case everyone was wondering what he saw. Anyway, moving on. Thank you, Judge. We're going to go quickly to a brief recess here where we're going to let Dave, our juror, and myself ask a few questions. Before we take a recess, let's hear from some of our friends. So Dave, points of clarification on the story so far, characters, anything unclear at this point? Or is everything unclear? Everything's a little mixy matchy, but I kind of got the idea of it. It's pretty. Do you, do you remember this story think, from like, like eighth grade? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember yeah. watching it. Did you, did you watch the pest with John Leguizamo? I also remember the. <laughs> no. Well, you're missing out. You are. Yeah. I was kind of hoping this was going, to, was going to turn to a battle royale movie adaptation, but I feel like it won't. Uh, it it doesn't. Uh, this movie is boring because immediately after the dinner scene that we're going to talk about, it's just a bunch of shots of people wandering around aimlessly in the woods. See, and uh, this is where I disagree. I think this is where it picks up. After the dinner scene, the momentum gets going. All right, all right, all right, all right. If by uh, gets going, you mean there's a bunch of rough cuts and then some people die, I guess <laughs> that can count as things going. All right, It's all not right. in service of anything. Judge, I'll throw it back to you if you have any. Yeah, who's the better game? The Pest or Homeless Ice Tea? <laughs> Homeless Ice-T does a lot of things in this movie that lead me to believe that he is not skilled, but his opponents are really incompetent. Like, just absolutely stupid and wanted to die. Did they go there to die? And the answer, of course, is yes. But we'll get into that. Don't you worry. All right. As I look up the best Gary Busey quotes that I can find, um, why don't we go on to the second scene? Um, since you did such a great job with the first one, Tom, why don't you introduce the second one here? I'm going to cut out that intro, so it just Round two. Really smooth. And you guys will be, like, shitting on me for no reason. Everyone will go, oh, why are they being so mean to Tom? He's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, that intro was really smooth. That's for sure. Yeah. Both of <laughs> this us. Is, this is already all over the place with this. Um, we'll see. Well, then, uh, Adam, why don't you start the dinner scene? So Ice-T has flown into this cabin area with all the other hunters, and they settle in for the evening uh, where they're having dinner around the table. So we actually have this taking place in a log cabin. We have the fireplace going on. They're drinking wine and they're poking at iced tea to figure out what kind of person he is and basically what kind of challenge he's going to present because that's their main interest. They want a challenge while they're going to be hunting someone. And to go back to what Tom said previously, I believe the reason why they're hunting homeless people is because possibly they don't have identity. There's no connection. They find out that he doesn't have any family. He doesn't have any friends. So this was an easy target for them to go after. Objection. So, Who cares about any of that? <laughs> I'm just saying. I'll allow it. Thank you. Thank you, Judge. So with this scene, I, I really want to say that it showcases each of these characters just trying to one up each other. And then we find out that none of these killers are two-dimensional. And that's what I actually really enjoyed about this movie is that each character is unique on their own. And you get their interesting backstories of why they want to hunt, why they need this, and why they want to continue hunting men. So you get to see the side of how I want to put this. They all show the savage side of man in different ways. 
So an example of this is we have John C. McGinley, Dr. Cox. I don't you laugh, Dylan. <laughs> no, sorry. Yeah. I'm reading Gary Busey quotes. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I wanted to put into evidence for this episode. Because okay, the good. quote, yeah, the quote is fantastic. This is where I actually like was engaged. So I've never seen this movie up until uh, last weekend when I watched it for the first time. So we have what I think kicked it off for the dinner table was we had Dr. Cox, John C. McGinley's character, just being triggered and set off after he asked Ice-T if he's ever killed anyone. And Ice-T's response was that he actually uh, killed his family, so his wife and his daughter. He doesn't explain it, but John C. McGinley's acting goes from a 4 to a 12. He's screaming. He's going ballistic. He's ready to fight everyone, and they're trying to toss him out of there because they don't want their whole hunt to be ruined at that moment. So oh, I, see, I see. I see he's taking the Nick Cage school of acting. <laughs> Objection, Your Honor. This definitively proves that my opponent is only interested when actors yell and scream. That doesn't mean it's a good film. His no. acting did not go from a 4 to a 12. He just started yelling and screaming. It went from a 4 to a 12, Tom. Also, backing up this scene is Gary Busey. He was, well, he kind of yells, but he did not go full Dr. Cox on this. He did not go up to a 12. Gary's Busey monologue about the manhood of how he got his scar, I think that's worth watching this movie alone. His delivery is spot yeah. on. I, it makes me want to watch more Gary Busey movies just from this. Well, I mean, it's like he always says, you know, I don't know where I'm from, but I'm here now, so deal with it, Gary Busey. <laughs> well, let me take this next Gary Busey quote from a 4 to a 12. Your worst nightmare, butthorns! <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't have the speech written out. I was going to recite it, but I don't think I can do the same delivery as Gary Busey in this moment. So oh, if you have we'll a chance wait. We'll wait. Oh, yeah, we can you. wait. <laughs> oh, God. Do you need a recess? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Well, in the meantime, Tom, can you give us some, some rebuttal to what he's uh, just laid out here? Uh, credit where credit is due. Like I said earlier, all of the hunters are sort of the where the acting meat really lives in this. And uh, although I wouldn't classify it as like good or noteworthy, uh, there is something happening in Gary Busey's monologue, which says, oh, OK, you know, this is why Gary Busey was in movies. Uh, this is why, you know, we, we used to listen to him and put him in things. Um, he does a serviceable job. Dr. Cox, when he flies off the handle, does fly off the handle. I mean, it's not like you're laughing at his performance. I, I'm not going to say that it's Oscar worthy like my opponent was implying. But, I did not uh, say that. I believe I did your exact not words were say 4 that, to 12, it was... 10 being the best that anyone could possibly ever perform. But this is what uh, John C. McGinley does well. He goes off and it makes the scene more powerful, adds more tension to it. So how could you not be engaged for this moment? Uh, yeah, I, I did say that I was engaged for that moment, but I'm not going to recommend to all the fine people out there that they sit down and watch 90 minutes of shit to find <laughs> one minute of little gold in there you know what i mean like it's not it's not worth it it doesn't mean anything it's, it doesn't impact the story in any major way like it's it's all just the window dressing on the bloated corpse that is surviving the game because there's nothing there all of these monologues don't mean anything because immediately after this when he wakes up and they say ah we're gonna get you and then he has to like take off into the woods because they're finally hunting him mm -hmm. uh he immediately circles back to the cabin gets into a fight a fist fight with gary Busey, throws him inside a burning house and that's the end of his character he's gone he's out of the film you never see him again yeah so, so and if you did any research interesting things if about you him, did any research gone. into this movie the screenwriters actually when they wrote out that character 
they didn't have Gary Busey in mind, but when he read that dialogue, they're just like, he's perfect. And they wish they could do a rewrite to actually keep him in longer. They were actually all upset that he died or he was the first character to die. Tom, how do you respond? Did you did you do any research? Uh, I did exactly as much research as is required. I watched the film. I don't give a shit what they thought they could have done before or after when they watched their turn of a film and said, oh, fuck, we should have had Gary Busey in it, man. Okay, That's so I on also, them. I, also I do wanna, not give a shit I also what they want thought to they could have fixed. I also want to speak to the, the part where you said Ice-T circles back to the cabin and Gary Busey get into the fight. So you mentioned that Ice-T's character is dumb, clueless, whatever you said at the very beginning, he's worthless. It was fairly clever of him to go back to the cabin because nobody, they even state it, the hunters state this, that nobody's ever done this. When he goes back to the cabin, he's filling it with gasoline and he burns it down while fighting Gary Busey. This is, I take it back. You've convinced me. Let me take my spots from a four to a 12. This is the greatest <laughs> movie because he doubled back. It doesn't mean anything. I'm just giving None the character credit. Sorry, um, what, what are we giving credit to? A thing that happened in the film? Someone's no, you, you stated that Ice-T's character is worthless, clueless, da 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 But we're actually seeing moments in this movie where he is using proper skill. He's thinking outside the box to survive. This is, this is good enough for this type of movie. And I agree, the, the story is very simple with this. But oh, oh, well... Speaking of simple, are we led to believe that Ice-T is great just because the hunters tell us that no one's ever gone back? Maybe they've been hunting dumb shits the entire time. <laughs> what would you do in this situation, Adam? Would you just keep sprinting into the forest or would you go back to where there's supplies? I have very Pretty basic stuff. I have very poor survival skills, so I have no idea what I would do in this situation. I think you should answer the question, what would you do if you were hunted? <laughs> Are we in the same situation? Like, are we in the woods and I'm being chased down by rich? Yes, you're a homeless man who's killed his family. What do you do? <laughs> and there's a Wall Street uh, jack off and his son chasing you. And uh, whatever Rutger Hauer is, he's like a doctor, I guess, or something. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a crazed um, Gary Busey running behind you saying, drinking your own blood is the paradigm of recycling. <laughs> I'm literally just pull you know what one, one thing he loves doing is he uh, what's what's it called when you um, take the for the letters of a word and like like an acrostic where you take the letters of the word and spell out something a lot of his quotes are those so oh. so he's really good at it like for example relationship relationship means this really exciting love affair turns into overwhelming nightmare sobriety hangs in peril <laughs> Wow Wow. And you know he's he like just spit so that off the top music. of his head. But anyway, oh, sorry. Yeah, that was guaranteed. No <laughs> so Adam, what do you do when that man is chasing after you <laughs> in the woods? With I'm um, I'm guessing with a composite bow. Yeah, they had a variety of weapons in this one. They had bows. They had shotguns. They had semi-automatic. I also believe. Uh, for some reason, Rutger Hauer had a Steyr Aug just hanging out in the middle of all the hunting equipment. I don't know. It's kind of weird. <laughs> they also had armor-plated uh, ATVs at one point, too. Yeah, what would I do? Uh, probably run into the deepest, deepest bush possible to make sure that I wasn't seen. Potentially, like, yeah, find a ditch, get on the low ground, uh, wait until the evening and try and find, like, a river, and then follow that, basically. I, I believe that would be my strategy. Now, all of those things sound really smart. You know what you didn't say at any point of that? 
was I'm just gonna run back there and like, <laughs> take my time and like put gasoline all over the floor and then like stick around, get into a fist fight with one of them. Like he's got a knife and a gun, but like I'm from the streets, question mark, so I can handle it. None of that is really set up or established or followed up on. Uh, and then just kind of jog back into the woods in the opposite direction. None of those are things that you said, but you still feel that this is reasonable for his character to do. I think, yeah, I think so for his character. Because yeah. sort of, like you're so, taking away their shelter, you're taking away their resources. Uh, like I thought that was well played on his part. Because again, he could have just continued on in the woods and probably not survived. But he was like when he went back to the cabin, he was trying to find a weapon. Like I think that was the first thing that he pointed out when he hit the cabin, where he's just like, "Where's a gun? Where's a gun?" And then he breaks into a room where you find <laughs> heads in jars, and we find that there's one empty with his name on it. So that's when he becomes enraged and he decides decides to take the gasoline and burn the place down. And Tom, to flip the question, to flip the question, Tom, how would you successfully kill a man that you are hunting? Uh, Well, see, I have seen first blood uh, many times. And what you do there is you uh, get a knife. You've always got to have a knife with you. You run in there, you start carving up little sticks, uh, you hide in trees, you drop down on people. You throw rocks at them. You do whatever it takes. Uh, one thing that you don't do is uh, get into a fist fight with him. Um, and then also just like when he throws Gary Busey into the burning house, uh, yeah. he doesn't take the knife on the ground that he had with him. He just like leaves it there. I actually, uh, it's Yeah, I actually have a quote from that because this is where it gets into the schlockiness that everybody loves from action movies. Uh, so when they're fighting back and forth, you can tell that Ice-T is not the strongest of characters and Gary Busey is kind of having his way. But then the tables do turn and we have Gary Busey like toss him into a door and the house is on fire. So Ice-T gets like singed. Gary Busey says, I like my meat rare. And then Ice-T punches him into the dick or punches his dick and then tosses him back into the house. <laughs> and Ice-T follows up with, try well done, bitch. And then the house explodes. So that was beautiful. Wait, hang on. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Beautiful or ugly? <laughs> I like my meat rare. Yeah. That okay. So so they eat these people. That that's never stated actually. I mean, that's heavily implied. Heavily implied. Specifically, that like Gary Busey's character would probably eat people, uh, but you don't get the sense that um, Doctor Cox or F. Murray Abraham or uh, like Rutger Hauer do that it's more just about the hunt gary Busey's character is just a fucking psycho and they get him out of the movie as quickly as possible yeah i mean he did once say my dark side my shadow my lower companion is now in the back room blowing up balloons for kid parties um so we know we are dealing with an unhinged individual here okay so why don't we why don't we take a quick recess we'll swing it over to dave the juror dave do you need some points of clarification yeah do they just shove iced tea out the door and say like run? yes so, yeah <laughs> so they're like we're gonna have a nice breakfast but you get your ass to running so he does. there's a bit more to that they're holding a gun right to his face and they wake him up and they start shouting at him to get his adrenaline going they're basically saying like we're going to hunt you. We're going to hunt yeah, you. Yeah, the gun isn't enough. You have to shout at someone. To get <laughs> and then they you kick him out of the point of gun in their face. And then they kick him out of the house and they're just like, the hunt doesn't start. We're going to take our time. We're going to give him a chance. So it's actually a challenge. So they have breakfast and then they go out after iced tea. Okay. So it gets a little head start. I There's guess. some yeah. sportsmanship with it, I guess. How much, how sporting is it really if they have fucking ATVs though? Yeah. Like, no, I, I completely agree. I kind of wish 
that element was taken away, but uh, and it, it was more of them just relying on their skills and their wit uh, to hunt Ice-T throughout this movie. But it was a lot of them actually just chasing him down with these ATVs. And then once they see him, they jump off and start shooting. Yeah, and that's really where the pest, Do they give the pest separates itself as a piece of superior <laughs> cinema. Um, it, because the most dangerous game is only the most dangerous if you keep the playing field more or less fair. But if you just make it super unfair, then it's not really that dangerous, is it? Because you have such a vast superiority in armament. Yeah. So, And that's what you see with this movie is Ice-T starts taking them down one by one. So it is balancing the grounds and he is standing on his own, uh, whether that be through his skill, his cleverness, whatever you want to call it. But uh, uh, bad screenwriting. <laughs> I think that's what I like to call it. Also, are they on an island? No, they're in the chance? Are they surrounded they're in, by water? They're in the woods. No? They're in Oregon specifically. So he could straight yeah. up. The city of Oregon? Okay. <laughs> yeah, the city. Yeah. The I got confused. City. Yes, they're in Oregon. Okay, okay, well, that probably does it for the recess here. So we're going to move on to, do we have a third scene? I hope so, because I feel like we're still in, like, the first 15 minutes of the movie. Wasn't that the first no, scene? No, the, the, the first 15 minutes is uh, much worse, because there's an entire scene, like, where he has his hobo barbecue. Well, you think that it's Yeah, like, there's, there's a bunch of stuff that happens. Uh, specifically, the old guy says, always check the barrel of a gun, uh, because that's, that's a really important life lesson. And then uh, he's running through the woods, and he slowly kills all of them, or they kill each other. Don't you know, don't gloss other. over that, Tom. Each death. Okay, yeah. I'll, okay, I'll give it all the okay. Hang on, we're getting deserve. we're getting very muddled. So we had the opening scene. We set up the character of Ice T, homeless man, gets recruited. We have the dinner scene, explaining you are the game. Next scene, where are we going? Uh, well, he, he's told with a gun in his face, but that doesn't phase him until they start yelling at him and then his feelings get hurt and his <laughs> adrenaline goes up. That's not And then he has to run around the woods and they're eating <laughs> breakfast and then uh, he doubles back. Gary Busey gets uh, beaten up and killed. Yep. Uh, then um, there's some more chasing. Then he somehow uh, lures Dr. Cox away from the group and captures him. Yes. But you see all of that, uh, not at all, because mm. they leave it off camera. No. Uh, you know, that'd be no, they don't. Interesting. They show they it show all. Him, they show him, not you the are, version yeah. that I watched. <laughs> you are only highlighting things that you want. Did you just watch no, different no. movies? Tom is only showing or like talking about what he wants to. So... I don't okay. know. This sounds a lot like The Pest. <laughs> I kind of wish we watched The Pest now. Maybe that's for another week. So Ice-T, after he runs away, like he kills Gary Busey and he's running into the woods. Everyone regroups, all the hunters regroup, and they start chasing him again. So he has another lead on him. He takes out his cigarettes because he was given that during the dinner scene. And what he does is he lights up a couple cigarettes and puts them onto a tree. So you have smoke coming off of it. This lures the hunters over, but... What happens is John C. McGinley's character goes to the side because he's not going to follow the rest of them. He wants the kill for himself. He goes off to the side and he's away from the pack. This is where Ice-T jumps off of a large boulder onto him, knocks him out, and then takes him into a cave. You see everything 
That was not in the version that I saw. Are you serious? Are, <laughs> just are straight there? up, it's just him walking away from the group, and then uh, like five minutes later, it cuts to them in the cave. Are you serious? So are there two? Uh, are, we de- are we dealing with like Adam watched an extended cut and Tom watched the director's exclusive cut remastered? I watched the theatrical release. I didn't realize that Adam they... had access to the unrated extended edition. Uh, with well, the, like, Tom, were there were there tauntauns? Were there tauntauns walking in the back? background of several scenes yeah there's like cg shit just being shoved in the frame uh, it, was, it was unreal but seriously no you, I, yours okay, did not okay. happen so it happened uh in some versions of the film you don't get to see that happen uh and some <laughs> what, versions you, you do can you I guess I, I did you just like have like a did you just blank yeah that's no. what i'm feeling like you're now you're saying this there's multiple out? versions the movie I, is so bad you blacked I, out unlike my esteemed opponent i actually watch films that i'm assigned to watch <laughs> tom i clearly watch this and i'm re- remembering a lot more than you right now really I'm, okay yeah. uh, i mean you could remember all the things you want but that doesn't change the fact that this is still a shitty movie and just for <laughs> clarification to the audience adam was assigned to watch night uh, nightbreed and he oh, gave up and unilaterally decided that we were going to watch this movie. No consultation with the judge. Tom proposed and this movie in the channel. There was a trailer for it. It looked exciting. I was game. So you already made up your mind before even watching the film. And now you're taking me to task on you things presented that are it. You presented it. Like, it was hey, an option. This scene was completely missing from the cut that I saw. Not I'm, that it even makes the film better. Judge, it's just a little bit of interstitial juice. Judge, can to we tie take it all? Can we take okay. a short can we, recess can we to move determine forward here? Can we move forward? Yeah. I exactly. want to know if all there's right. actually two versions of this movie because my opponent keeps saying there's a different version. If we watch two different movies, then that's just going to like this court is done. Where it's skewed. Oh well, then yeah, let's the jump. The human race is over. Let's jump right to closing statements. <laughs> all right, uh, this movie's a piece of shit. Uh, it doesn't matter what scenes are included or not included. You can't polish a turd. Thank you. Brought it full circle. All right. Point of clarification. It doesn't matter if there are two versions of this movie. You're still going to hash this whole thing out together. One of you will be at a disadvantage and the other can just make shit up. That's how <laughs> this court works. So um, we're going to assume you watch the same movie and Tom like went to take a piss at one point and missed something. Even if that's not true, I don't really care. So... So we're at this point we we still are like with the first kill, right? So however it happened, um, Doctor Kotz gets dragged into the cave, and who knows what happens in there? Um, yeah, so we can we can go over that. That's actually one of the cases that I wanted to. Uh, okay, discuss. so I, so how do we go to that? Unless, hang on, Dave, do you have some points of clarification? Because I'm fucking lost at this point, but. I, yeah, I have so many questions. I just don't okay. even know where to begin. I, I, let's just get to like a yeah. scene. Like, yeah, no more setup. Describe a scene. I'm get, so get us to a scene. So with this scene, this is the cave exchange where we have Ice T. He's just captured uh, John C. McGinley's character, and at this point, he's tied up and they're in a cave. So this scene actually takes a pause on the action that's just been happening. So we can actually dive deeper into Ice T's character to learn about how he lost his family why he's homeless and then we get beautiful exchanges between him and john c mcginley to understand why dr cox went off at the very beginning because he lost his family or i believe it's just his daughter to a homeless man so this whole hunt for him was about revenge that's what his motive was they go through the night basically doing this exchange back and forth and in the morning we find out that ice tea lets him go he's not going to kill them and john c mcginley the other hunters come in they take him away and those hunters turn on John C. McGinley. 
So you're getting you're getting multiple sides. So you're getting more in depth with these characters. You're seeing their motives and uh, basically the reason of why they're doing these hunts. And then you're also getting the savage side of the hunt where even your own teammates, even your own friends now have turned against you because they need to continue this for themselves. I also want to note that one thing that surprised me about this movie is the styling for it, too. Uh, basically, with an action movie like this where it's just in the woods, yes, you would expect really quick edits. But the styling for the evening scenes, they they hit it up with a lot more blue. Uh, so the cave scene, there's more blue coming in. And even in the, the wood scenes, they tone it down so there's a lot of brown. So you can actually see that like the director wanted to put an effort into this movie. It wasn't just a quick one-off, let's try and make money because we have this huge cast. No, there's actually like them trying to make a decent movie out of this. And you can see it with this cave scene, with the colors of it. But then even when they're doing the, the first hunt where Ice-T was in the cabin and he's fighting Gary Busey, you see it with the camera too. The, the camera is almost, almost a character itself where it's very kinetic and it's whipping around the room with you. So that's, I feel, very classic 90s action stuff. But bringing it back, there was some type of direction for this movie and, it, and you're seeing it with these scenes. And who's the leader? Is it Gary Busey or Rutgerd Hauer? Rutgerd Hauer. Okay. And what's Gary Busey? Because he seems important. In the group. He's a CIA psychiatrist. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, they specifically go out of their way to tell you that, like, yeah, he's from the CIA and he's a, he's a head doctor. Okay. That's it. Then he dies. Just like how, you know, you learn this bit about uh, Dr. Cox's character and then he dies. He's removed from the film. Every time you learn something interesting about a character, they have to leave the movie. I don't know if that makes it a good film. I don't think so. You know, it's really tough to get attached to characters when they're suddenly just gone from the film. Um, similarly, uh, I don't think that coloring things brown or blue makes it a good movie either, but apparently my opponent is very easy to impress, so <laughs> do with that information what you will. Going back Adam to the like, response. Yeah. Yeah, some no, that's the there. thing, like, you're, you're getting more in-depth of these characters. You're actually caring about the hunters now. I, I see that as a... As a plus, Tom. Really? Where once they're you taken away, about it's the hunters. Yeah, because they all actually had interesting backgrounds. Once you learn about it, so again with Gary Busey's scene of talking about his birthmark and why it's leveled as his manhood, and then with John C. McGinley uh, talking about his losing his daughter to a homeless man, their relationship, Ice T and uh, Doctor Cox's relationship for that scene. Can you clarify you what you mean by losing his daughter to a homeless man? Like, did the homeless man take her? Like, what happened? <laughs> I. I believe a homeless man killed killed his daughter. Allegedly. So would you say that uh, Dr. Cox was going for tolerant revenge in this so, point? Yes. It's definitely <laughs> tolerant revenge. The most pure form of revenge there is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's just showing that like you're getting more in-depth with these characters so that when they are taken away, when they are killed, you're actually there's more weight behind it. And you're seeing the savage side, the br brutality of these hunters. So there's more weight behind it. So I don't think that should be uh, no, glossed over using lightly. The word weight. How much more weight is being put behind their deaths? But before, but before, before we get into Three that definition, hang on, hang on. Before we get into the definition of weight, I want Four to explain to more. our viewers that tolerant revenge is killing the intolerant, so that that quotation makes sense to them. Anyway, go on. What's <laughs> what does weight mean, Adam? 
Your Honor, I, I declare th- victory for I my... Think I think Adam has left speechless. <laughs> no, I'm, try- I'm trying to or find... Are you, tr- are, you trying to, are you trying to Merriam-Webster this right now, Adam? Is that what you're <laughs> no. trying to do? No, my hands... It's a standard follow-up question, Adam. My hands are the keys. I, I'm, what is I'm tr- love? <laughs> <laughs> what is weight? Yeah. The dictionary I... defines weight as the gravitational pull of the Earth. <laughs> no, I'm trying to find the right words for it. Just how I'm trying to describe it because it was more with with the scene. It was more of a feeling. There was what I'm trying to describe is the weight of the scene was how much feeling you had for the characters. So you grew an attachment with them, and then what they were taken away, there was a sense like you you felt that once they were gone, there was a big loss with it. It didn't feel cheated. Okay, well I think that makes mm, sense that Adam sympathizes with. The Manhunters. Um, so Adam sees <laughs> yes, that's, them. That's what I'm hearing. Adam sees them as the good guys. So he sees the murder of the homeless as okay. So we're going to move on I'm to... Not, <laughs> I'm not comfortable with that one. <laughs> I'm, I'm not putting words... arguments are leading towards. This is... <laughs> oh, God. No, that's not where my arguments are. I'm defending this movie. I'm, I'm finding it interesting that you can get... A homeless More? man is being hunted and killed. We know. We've covered this already. <laughs> and the hunters think... are okay guys. <laughs> they, could, they, they could have done this movie a hundred different ways. But the fact that they wanted to focus on the hunters and what was driving them and, again, their motives and then the fact their relationships with Ice-T, I think that was a great approach because, again, it could have just they could have just been 2D characters that were just, I'm just going to kill them, and that's it. it. There was a lot more thought out to this. That's what I'm defending at this moment. I do not defend them killing homeless people. Look, Your Honor, I'm defending my opponent characters. loves it when the homeless get killed. And I think <laughs> we, we know that. But I'd like to move past that and just focus on the film. And one of the things that I'd like to care yeah, about... And, oh, and just to clarify, can we keep personal opinions and vendettas out of this? We're trying to review a film here. Your Honor, nothing would bring me greater joy. Anyways, Adam is a big stupid doo-doo head for the following reasons. Reason number one. Go on. The important... <laughs> you can't pause on this, Tom. I want to hear it. Uh, he enjoys killing the homeless. He thinks that homeless people are naturally crafty, even despite not having any background or displaying any sort of skills. Uh, he thinks that Gary Busey talking about how he had to kill a dog that he loved is like a good thing. Uh, I don't know. There's there's plenty of reasons. The one thing that I would like to point out, though, is that these characters are really two-dimensional. There's there's really nothing to them outside of they will give a monologue, then they will leave the film. Characters that never give monologues uh, also die, but you don't really care about them either. Uh, the movie tries to play it up like it's coming down to this big confrontation between Ice-T and Rutger Hauer, but that confrontation in and of itself is pretty stupid and doesn't mean anything. Um, if it would please well, the court, you know I'd what? Like hey, we've been doing scene. this for 50 minutes. Why don't we go ahead and go to that scene? <laughs> <laughs> so, so the uh, the movie trundles along. Uh, all the other hunters are killed. It doesn't really matter anything that you learn about them because they're dead. They don't impart any wisdom on our main character. He po- doesn't learn anything. Point he of clarification. Point of clarification. How is Gary Busey killed in the? He was. Uh, he's thrown inside a burning building and then just takes a nap in the flames. It, okay. The house yeah. explodes. So Gary Busey dies it that way. Well done, John apparently. C. McGinley dies from getting shot in the head by the other hunters. Right Charles 
Yeah, Charles S. Dutton, who's Walter Cole. Uh, Ice-T kills him by putting the ignition switch into the gas tank of one of the ATVs. So when Ice-T starts running away, they jump onto the ATVs. And <laughs> Charles Dunn's character gets blasted and loses his legs. But like that that's a great scene, though, too, right? Because his character's death, he's, he's lost his legs. He's got burns all the way up his, like, front half. And he's just, like, muttering. You're right. And Fucking awesome scene. That dude is jacked up. Great scene. Good uh, film. Okay, no, but like, on. But, like, you see something like that, like, the... You, you would see something like that in like uh, Saving Private Ryan where they're just in shock and they're just muttering and they don't know what's going on. So I, I like I'm just saying kudos to this film for it's taking its time to do unique kills for all of these characters because they were unique themselves. So okay. Tom, yeah, I mean, what it, about it sounds, Charles it sounds Dutton's character beautiful. require him to have his legs blown off and then lie on the ground going like, oh, gee, I wish I wasn't all jacked up because uh, I, I don't know if that's good cinema. I also don't think that you can use the argument of I saw this in a better movie as proof that this movie is good, but uh, I leave But that Lieutenant one Dan, sure. you ain't got no legs. <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant Dan. So anyways, all of those things happen. All of these characters are kicked out of the film. And uh, you think, okay, you know, uh, Ice-T's just about to get Rutger Hauer before Rutger Hauer escapes on a plane. And my opponent's going to go, wait, it was so unique and interesting, but it doesn't matter. He got away. That's really what sets up this next scene. And now we're back in the city, which I guess they thought would be, oh, it's like Ice-T's home turf. So now he's this badass super hunter who like stalks him through alleyways and whatever else. Gets into a fist fight with him, uh, gets the gun away from him, uh, and uh, basically says, no, game's over. I'm done. I don't want to fight anymore. You can go home, Wrecker Hauer and uh, fucks with the gun a little bit, like puts something in the barrel and drops the gun. Rutger Hauer uh, says, oh, lucky me, goes and picks up the gun, but doesn't check the barrel, just like his veteran friend said at the beginning of the movie. Then uh, it blows up in his face and uh, the movie's over. That's it. Roll the credits. <laughs> there's, there's no lesson. There's no like deeper meaning. There's no theme. It's not Ice-T reclaiming his life and proving that he's not a homeless piece of trash. It is, It's though. not him learning that. No, it, it is. isn't. Think of where Ice-T started at the beginning of the movie. He was zero. He's ready to kill himself. And now he survived this great incident, this yeah, great Yeah, and now hunt. he kills other people. <laughs> Amazing character development. Wait, he's wait, a survivor. Wait, wait. So, he's so, a survivor, so Going Tom. back, going back. Going back to the beginning, so his buddy told him to put always check the barrel, and then in the end, the guy, the other guy, did not check the barrel, and that's what did him in. That's correct. So it's correct. kind, it's yeah. kind of like it's kind of like poetry, like a rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> it wraps around nicely, like it's a it's a good closed loop. Uh, everything ties together from the beginning to the end. You see a progression it with Ice characters. It rhymes. Who has time to check the barrel when he's in that situation? Oh, uh, all the pacing, who the fuck in would all do the that? Fights, all the choreography sucks. All of the like spacing they do in the world is terrible. <laughs> so he has like hours to check the barrel of the gun. He just literally chooses not to. Uh, it's it's the most awkward, most boring shit ever. And Adam, to your earlier point, if he's a survivor, no, he isn't. Because he survived the game, he got out, and then he actively chose to hunt down Rutger Hauer. In a better film, this would have been, oh my god, he's gone full circle and become the thing that he's hate, like that he that he hates, right? But it isn't that movie. It's just a bunch of tolerant revenge on both sides, and then 
it, it ends question mark and it's just over see and this is where like i will agree with you i think that's the weakest part of the movie is how this ends i kind of wish ice tea was still in the woods like that was it it, it cut with you seeing that ice tea survived and what's he going to do next it just it's left open i don't think they needed to go back into the city and have ice tea battle burns's character so I, I agree with you. I completely I think, agree. I, I think the, the ending of him going back to the city is is the weakest part. I would also argue that the middle and the beginning are the weakest points of the film as well. <laughs> but uh, I think we know how I feel about this movie. I think we know. And, and, and that's it. That's literally how the movie ends. Yeah. Okay. The only through line in the entire film is check the barrel of a gun. Okay. Okay. We need to, we need to take a pause. Collectively. Your Honor. Tom, <laughs> you've said some hateful things. And Adam, you have revealed some disgusting opinions in the course of this um, this trial. So I'm going to ask the juror, Dave. Dave, do you have any questions before we go into closing statements? I, I have one question. Is everyone that Ice-T meets in this film basically die? Like everyone he interacts with um, is dead. Yes. No. Is anyone alive that he has like made because uh, like his buddy vietnam buddy is dead all the hunters are yeah, dead uh the family's dead guard uh that he um he doesn't kill him he threatens well, like he, him and that's about he, it because he makes him fear for his life he does pull a gun on him it's weird yeah it's, it's a weird it's, relationship there, there, the, yeah there so, is weird because like ice t is almost like uh, a pacifist in this film like he doesn't want to hurt anybody until the very end everyone um but for yeah. the most part, yeah, that's it's kind of it's a bit off. But for the most part, yes, everybody that Ice T interacts with dies, except for there's a hotel scene uh, where he checks in. Oh, so those, right. those guys live, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that that's a that's a whole conversation in and of itself. Uh, there's a few people who escape Ice T's aura of death, whatever you aura want to call of death. it. Yeah. Well, that's what I was. I thinking think it's pretty that, obvious yeah. that Ice T is the angel of death, and this movie is an allegory about how we pass through life and we contact each other, and how death is inevitable. Also, I'm kind of upset. I just looked up a picture of Ice T in this movie, and oh my god, his amazing. dreadlocks! <laughs> yeah, how the fuck did you guys not mention his dreadlocks? <laughs> I've been trying to avoid talk, so I'm a little yeah. sad about that. that. That was amazing. That's like the first thing I saw, and I was blown away. That that alone makes me want to watch the movie. It's just my hair. opponent is a fierce racist and uh, <laughs> would not bring it up, but. Uh, I didn't bring it up because it has no bearing on anything. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't it really matter doesn't. if his hair is but, you know, but clean cut or dreadlocks. But speaking uh, to that, though. It's still a bad film. But speaking to that, though, with, like, the styling of the film, you actually do see, like, the grit and, like, the dirtiness of it. Uh, you see, like, yes, he is homeless, but throughout this movie, everybody does get dirtier. They are wearing down. It's not like nobody's just excelling. No one's at the top of their game. You see them breaking down throughout this movie, uh, which I actually appreciated. So with Ice-T, he cuts his dreads at one point, but he becomes dirtier and dirtier because he's using different tactics to escape these people. So Yeah, nice. like rolling around in dirt or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so. Physically gained dirt. Without further ado, let's move on to closing statements. Tom, you begin. Adam, there... you begin. <laughs> no, I'm gonna let Tom start on this one. Tom, you can't use the word turn. <laughs> I need to think of how uh, to put statement the pest into my closing for statements now. <laughs> Very rarely does a movie come along. Actually, I think I lead almost all my closing statements that way. Um, 
Seldom, seldom in the course of human history. (laughs) (laughs) Surviving the Game is a movie that dares you to give less of a shit. The premise is interesting, but all of the parts that make up this film, the acting, the directing, the, the, the score, the cinematography... The, the basic plot, the, the fight choreography, the blocking, the, uh, the editing, all of it comes together to make a movie that's somehow shittier than each individual part. And some of those parts are very shitty. You might be entertained for brief moments. You could go onto YouTube and just watch the Gary Busey monologue and be done with the entire film. You don't need to watch any of it. It will not enrich your life. It will not entertain you. It will leave you feeling emptier than when you started. (laughs) Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. (laughs) So, should they just watch The Pest? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Anything is better than surviving the game. Watch The Running Man. All right, Adam, your closing statements, please. I'm going to keep it simple. If you're a fan of 80s, 90s schlock action then this movie will be a great time for you. It holds up for repeated viewings. All the kills or deaths in this movie felt unique. Nothing was repetitive in the sense. Uh, The characters had depth that you wanted to learn about. And yeah, I I think this was actually a good adaptation of The Most Dangerous Game. So if you're looking for something along those lines, then this will work perfectly for you. Okay, so... We are going to send it over to Dave. Dave's going to give us his thoughts on proceedings and then ultimately his verdict of whether he will watch this movie or not. Today's, uh, today's core was a little uh, hateful at times, I felt like, but this movie, it looks like it's a pretty, like, the cast is pretty stellar. And it looks like it has some pretty, like, cheesy action, from what you're kind of describing. I am, my interest is piqued. I am, I might take a little... A little think carefully about what you're hey, doing. I, hey, t- hey, no, hey, all verdicts are final in the. In I know. The... I like. I always. I do like the premise of like the dangerous game and stuff. So yeah, I think I'll watch it. Okay, so we we, we have a. Uh, I'll watch it. We have a positive verdict from the juror here. I, however, will watch the pest and then just respond <laughs> like I watch this movie next week because I know that's way funny. Because John Leguizamo is hilarious. <laughs> so I won't watch this movie, but I'll watch this movie's cousin. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. As long as you don't watch Surviving the Game, that's all I care about. Thank right. you, Your Honor. Right. And since last week nobody wanted to watch Bloodsport, Donald Trump's favorite movie, uh, we will not have our... What the fuck is the name of that? Uh, the court. The, the court of public. What is it, Adam? The court. The court of the of the the public the opinion. Hold on, I have um, so we will not. Somewhere. We will not have a court of the public opinion, um, but we will next week. So, court court is adjourned. Court is adjourned for God's sake. We'll catch you next time on Grindhouse Courthouse. Cue the extra music. Uh,
court is adjourned. Come back next time for a new trial with new litigants in the never-ending parade of schlock that is Grindhouse Courthouse. Motherfuckers.